Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The cases we will talk about today involves a murder victim or missing person who expressed fear or indicated they were in danger just prior to their death or disappearance. They reached out to others to either ask for help or just simply state they were scared or hurt. Unfortunately, shortly after these messages were sent, the sender either vanished or were later found deceased. Even more terrifying is that all of these cases remain unsolved. Victims who knew they were in danger this week are mysteriously listed. Number 4. Kanika Pal. Monday, August 25, 2008. From KTP131. Subject, Weekend. I just wanted to share with you the most scariest thing that happened to me this weekend. Saturday evening around 7pm. A man was knocking at my door. As all of you may know, I live alone. I asked who it was and he didn't answer. So once I got close to the door and looked out of the peephole, I saw a male figure that was not familiar to me at all. I asked who he was and all he stated was that he was from the FBI and he was looking for Kanika Powell. It freaked me out completely because this man knew my name. He held a shield up, but no picture ID, and he never gave me his name. He told me he was looking for me in regards to an investigation. I told him I had no idea as to what he was talking about, and he would need to show me some documentation, as well as a warrant of some sort. He left, and I looked out my bedroom window, and I saw him walking. I also heard a voice tell him to walk in the opposite direction. The whole situation was scary and seemed so false. Because of this incident, not only did I get no sleep for the rest of the weekend, I'm trying to get an alarm system installed in my apartment. I had one in my old apartment, but I just hadn't had it transferred over to my new one. As far as anything that happened with this guy, I did call the FBI. They told me it was more likely bogus because they never come to your door by themselves and they always leave a card of some sort so you can contact them. I called the local police as well to give them a description just in case someone is out there trying to rape or harm single women. Pass this on, ladies. This is not fake. This happened to me, Kanika. Who knows who these guys are and what they are doing and what areas other than mine? On August 25, 2008, 28-year-old Kanika Powell shared this email with her friends and family in hopes to warn them about a strange occurrence that happened to her. Three days later, she would be gunned down and murdered. Ambitious and hardworking, intelligent and level-headed, Kanika excelled in everything she did. She enlisted in the army right out of college and she served two years in Korea. In 2004, Kanika accepted a lab worker position with John Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory. It was a top-level job that required security clearances. 
there were factors about her job that not even her parents knew about. Kanika had recently moved into a new apartment, located in a complex in Prince George County. August 23, 2008, a Saturday night, a man knocked on her door claiming to be an FBI agent. He addressed her by her name. He held up his badge to the peephole, but left when she asked him for photo ID. Kanika would later tell her mother she thought the ID to be fake. Kanika also told her mother she believed there was another man that she couldn't see, that she heard someone else tell the man to walk in the opposite direction. August 27, 2008, another man came to Kanika's door. This man also called Kanika by her full name, but this time he claimed he was delivering a package for her. She was still so messed up from the previous visit that she obviously refused to open the door. He would eventually leave, claiming he was retrieving the package to leave by her door, but he never returned. Well, not until 7.30 the following morning, again saying he had a package. Frightened, Kanika called her mother and the police, but the man could not be found. Later that morning, on August 28, 2008, Kanika wanted to run errands before leaving for a work trip. Comfortable with the idea that this creepy guy still wasn't in the area, she left the apartment for a few hours, arriving back a little before noon. A man was waiting in the hallway. She was shot several times in the torso with a handgun. Paramedics would rush her to hospital, but unfortunately, Kanika would never regain consciousness. Kanika Powell would die the next day, August 29, 2008. Police would publicly state they were stumped and didn't know who would want to harm Kanika. She had no enemies and didn't partake in risky behaviours. Her wallet and keys were found beside her body, so robbery didn't make sense, and the police were quick to rule out her high-security job as being a significant factor in her murder. Many theories, including government conspiracies, are debated on online unsolved mysteries and true crime forums. Some armchair sleuths connect Kanika's murder and that of Sean Green. Sean was also a security worker, but instead with the National Counterterrorism Centre in Northern Virginia. Sean also lived in Prince County, just like Kanika. November 12, 2008, three months after Kanika's murder, Sean Green was shot to death by a masked gunman at 5.31pm. Sean was making his usual daily drive from his apartment to the gym. Eyewitnesses claimed that the attack seemed personal and targeted, much like Kanika. Sean lived alone. He loved his job and his family. He didn't have any enemies, nor did he engage in high-risk behaviours. But for this case to be connected, then it would go against what the police said because their murders would have had to have been connected to their jobs. Kanika's family still waits for justice for their daughter, her mother believes one day Kanika's killer will be found. Until then, Kanika's memory lives on. Quote, what makes her so remarkable was that she was a donor. I signed the papers and two people in the metropolitan area were able to receive her kidneys. We also donated some tissue and bone and her liver was donated to a research lab. Unquote. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Number three, Brooklyn Farthing. Eighteen-year-old Brooklyn Farthing had just graduated from high school and she was still deciding who she was and what she wanted to do with her life. Those who knew and loved Brooklyn would describe her as being bubbly, laid-back, social, and she loved animals and the outdoors. You would usually find her out fishing, riding horses or racing four-wheelers. Everyone who met her just fell in love with her. June 21, 2013. Brooklyn and her younger sister Paige would go for their driving test, which Brooklyn passed. Paige unfortunately didn't. Brooklyn's dad gave her his Ford pickup as a congratulations gift. The family went to celebrate the girl's grandfather's birthday, before Brooklyn, Paige and one of their cousins went to a house party close by. About 8pm, Paige and their cousin decided to leave, but Brooklyn stayed behind. She'd always planned to stay overnight with a friend, and she brought her overnight bag in preparation. But then later that night, after a lot of drinking, Brooklyn and the friend got into an argument. The friend was going to ditch her to stay overnight with a boy, leaving Brooklyn in the lurch. Around 2am, two male acquaintances of Brooklyn's, one being 24-year-old Joshua Hensley, they offered her a ride. Joshua was friends with Brooklyn's ex-fiancé, Jared, so she knew him fairly well. Joshua dropped the other male friend off and took Brooklyn with him to a foreclosed home he was staying at in the 100 block of Dillon Court in Barrera, Kentucky. This home had no utilities and no electricity, and these had been disconnected for a while. Brooklyn would initially reach out to her older sister for a ride, and then her brother, but they weren't able to get her. Both would later state that Brooklyn didn't seem to be in distress at this point, and everything seemed okay. Something does appear to happen after this point, though. Something not right because Brooklyn would then text several friends saying she was frightened and needed to be picked up. She would call her ex-fiancé, Jared, but he was at his job at the factory and couldn't get her either. Even though their three-year relationship had recently ended, they remained close and spoke and text all the time. He promised he would get her by 7am. Brooklyn would text him at 4, quote, "'Please hurry, I'm scared,' unquote." This would be the last known contact with Brooklyn Farthing. An hour and a half later, at 5.30am, Jared would receive another text from Brooklyn's phone that read, Never mind, I'm okay. I'm going to a party in Rockcastle County. Police now believe that Brooklyn did not send this message. Joshua Hensley would later claim Brooklyn hit on him, which made him uncomfortable given his friendship with her ex-fiancée so he left to go move his horses to a nearby field. And when he left, Brooklyn was sitting on a couch smoking a cigarette. That when he returned at seven, Brooklyn was gone and the couch she was sitting on was on fire. The fire being so intense, it burned a hole in the floor. 
Brooklyn's overnight bag, her purse and shoes were still sitting on the porch. Only Brooklyn and her cell phone were missing. When Brooklyn's parents and siblings couldn't reach her the next day, they weren't particularly worried. They just assumed that either Brooklyn's phone had died or she had finally passed out after her night of drinking and partying. But by noon, they started to get worried, especially when she didn't show to meet friends as planned at a car show at two that afternoon. Authorities and more than 200 volunteers would search more than 16,000 acres in three counties in Kentucky, including water searches for three weeks without any sign of the missing teen. Brooklyn's phone pinged about 10 minutes away from the Dillon Street home, where she was last seen. Her family were adamant there was no way she would have left without her belongings. Police have never named any suspects in Brooklyn's case. Joshua is the most obvious suspect, though considering he was the last person seen with Brooklyn and she disappeared from his care under suspicious circumstances. However, he insists he absolutely has no idea what happened to Brooklyn. And considering there is no actual evidence indicating he was involved in the disappearance, police had no option but to question him and let him go. Brooklyn's family believe that Joshua likely killed Brooklyn and then burned the couch to cover up the evidence. If this is the case, he honestly did an amazing job. Forensic technicians were unable to obtain any forensic evidence from the couch due to its charred conditions. Although there has been numerous searches for Brooklyn's body over the years, no trace of her has ever been found and no charges have been filed on her disappearance. While there are many that believe that Joshua Hensley is the person responsible, police have never been able to find her body and give her a proper burial. Number 2. Jerry Castillo Jr. March 20th, 2015. 20-year-old Jerry Castillo Jr. spent dinner time with his parents before leaving their El Paso, Texas home to attend a gathering with some friends from his high school days. At some point after midnight, Jerry told this gathering that he was going to pick up his girlfriend. The couple would get into an argument which resulted in Jerry getting out of his car to cool down. There would be a sighting of him walking down the 11600 block of Pelican Drive shortly after this. Jerry would never return to his car and he would never be seen again. The last known contact from Jerry was in the form of a text message sent to a friend at 3am March 21st, 2015. It only stated, quote, please help me, unquote. Even though this friend urgently phoned and texted him numerous times after this, there was never any response. Jerry's girlfriend drove his car back to his parents the following day. His parents would report him missing after there was no contact from him and they were unable to get in touch with him. Police searched the area where he was last reportedly seen, finding Jerry's cell phone discarded on the ground. Despite disappearing under these very suspicious circumstances, police have stated that they believe Jerry may still be alive or possibly suicided and that there are person or persons out there that know where he is. Without elaborating, one of the detectives working on the case told reporters, quote, We as a department feel that someone may have seen him do something. Unquote. On the other hand, Jerry's parents believe their son did meet with foul play and is now deceased. 
Number one, Caitlin Dennison. Six months before she disappeared, 19-year-old Caitlin Dennison met a man from her hometown in Midland, Texas, while travelling through Reno, Nevada. She would stay in the area with this man. The two were very serious. But regardless of this, Caitlin never told her family anything about him, except he was a truck driver. She never told them his name or what he looked like. But together, Caitlin and her boyfriend travelled all over Texas and Nevada. January 9th, 2018, Caitlin contacted her sister, Rachel. She wanted out of the trip and she wanted to come back home. She didn't go into any further details than that. Caitlin made Rachel promise her that she would come and pick her up. The sisters agreed to meet at two that afternoon. The conversation ended with Caitlin saying she would call back a bit later with a location, but she never did. The next Rachel would hear from Caitlin was the next day, January 10, 2018. Caitlin would again call Rachel, this time from a Walmart in Midland. Caitlin was upset. She would tell Rachel, quote, This man makes me a little scared for my life, unquote. After this brief call, Caitlin sent Rachel her location and a text message that read, quote, He is mad that I won't let him lay a hand on me, unquote. Her family would never hear from Caitlin again. Early in their investigation, police were able to locate Caitlin's boyfriend. He claimed that one night when he was asleep, Caitlin had gotten up, taken her things and left. That this was the last he'd known about her whereabouts. Months later, police got a call from a woman saying she'd given Caitlin a ride over to her boyfriend's work. This has been the only solid tip that police have ever received. This case has since gone cold. Not that it was anything but cold from the start. Interesting side note to this story. January 20th, 2008, 10 years prior to Caitlin's disappearance. Her cousin, 19-year-old Brianna Dennison, also went missing. College student Brianna was last seen at a home near the University of Nevada, Reno, after a night out. She would be found murdered almost a month later, February 18, 2008. No one has ever been arrested for Brianna's murder and no suspects have ever been named. According to Caitlin's sister, Rachel, she does not believe the two cases to be linked. What would you like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Please search Mysteriously Listed on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search Mysterious List. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Research, additional writing, hosting and production is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 